invite you to turn in your copy of God's Word to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 1. If you've been with us, you know that we recently finished up a study of First and Second Samuel, and we're continuing uh, to kind of wrap up that study. We finished the story of First and Second Samuel, but we didn't finish the story of David. And of course, David's story follows through uh, the entirety of Scripture as we come to the Gospels of Jesus, Jesus the son of David. But for David's life, it carries over into the first two chapters of First Kings. And so we're going to take a few weeks to get to that point of his passing. If you were with us last week, you know that First Kings begins with a very old and aging King David. Uh, this is not the, the mighty warrior king that we've seen throughout so much of the scripture. He is old and sickly and dying. He, he can't get himself warm. Uh, he's cold all the time. Uh, and his, his end is very near. And so God has already orchestrated a plan. And, and David knows this plan. David has told others this plan. At least he's told Bathsheba. Uh, he's told Solomon, perhaps some others. The plan is that Solomon would become the next king. But in his sickly state, his oldest living son, Adonijah, takes the opportunity to, to seek the throne for himself. And so he essentially throws his own coronation. He invites a lot of dignitaries. He invites uh, other brothers there, not Solomon, but others. And, and he essentially declares himself to be king. Uh, David is unaware of this. And where we come to today is David becoming aware of this because... Uh, Bathsheba was unaware of this as well. But Nathan, the prophet, learns of it, comes to Bathsheba, and then we'll see how those events unfold as we pick back up in our study. And so we're going to come to 1 Kings chapter 1 and look at verses 11 through 31 this morning. And out of reverence for God's word, I want to invite you to stand, if you're able to, as I read the scripture for us. And this is what the word of God says. Then Nathan said to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, Have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, has become king? And David our Lord does not know about it. Now therefore, come, let me give you advice, that you may save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Go in at once to King David and say to him, Did you not, my lord the king, swear to your servant, saying, Solomon, your son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. Why then is Adonijah the king? Then, while you are still speaking to the king, I will come in after you and confirm your words. So Bathsheba went to the king in his chamber. Now, the king was very old, and Abishag the Shunammite was attending to the king. Bathsheba bowed and paid homage to the king. And the king said, What do you desire? She said to him, My Lord, you swore to your servant by the Lord your God, saying, Solomon, your son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. And now behold, Adonijah is king, although you, my Lord the king, do not know it. He has sacrificed oxen, fattened cattle, and sheep in abundance, and has invited all the sons of the king Abiathar the priest, and Joab the commander of the army, but Solomon your servant he has not invited. And now, my lord the king, the eyes of all Israel are on you to tell them who shall sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. 
Otherwise, it will come to pass when my Lord the King sleeps with his fathers that I and my son Solomon will be counted offenders. While she was still speaking to the king, Nathan the prophet came in. And they told the king, Here is Nathan the prophet. And when he came before the king, he bowed before the king with his face to the ground. And Nathan said, My lord the king, have you said Adonijah shall reign after me? And he shall sit on my throne? For he has gone down this day and has sacrificed oxen fatted cattle and sheep in abundance and has invited all the king's sons, the commanders of the army, and Abiathar the priest. And behold, they are eating and drinking before him, saying, Long live King Adonijah. But me, your servant, and Zadok the priest, and Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, and your servant Solomon, he is not invited. He, has this thing been brought about by my lord the king? And you have not told your servants who should sit on the throne of my lord, the king, after him? Then King David answered, Call Bathsheba to me. She came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king swore, saying, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my soul out of every adversity, as I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, saying, Solomon, your son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place. Even so will I do this day. Then Bathsheba bowed her face to the ground and paid homage to the king and said, May my Lord, King David, live forever. If you would pray with me. Father, these are ancient words from an ancient time. And yet they apply to us today. Help us to see that. Help us to trust in Jesus in good days and in bad days. Help us to learn from this word, your word. And help us to see how it applies to our day-to-day life today. We ask this now in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. We've all had days that didn't turn out quite like we thought they would, haven't we? You start your day with a plan and then suddenly something breaks. Something doesn't work. And then everything you planned on doing that day, you get set to the side because now you've got, you've got to fix this thing and, and figure out what's broken. Or, or maybe you can't fix it. Maybe you don't know how to or you're not sure what the problem is or it's over your head. So you, you call someone else to come fix it, but then that person never shows up and, and your day's just kind of in chaos. Or then there's days even worse than that. Perhaps you, you had a routine, you had a plan, you had a schedule. Part of that plan was just a, a routine doctor's appointment for a, a routine checkup. You think you'll be in and out, and then everything falls apart as the doctor tells you that there were some problems with your blood work. And now you have a list of specialists that you need to see. Or even worse than that, maybe you were going through your routine, going through your day, and then uh, the phone rings, the text comes on your phone, you find out someone you love, someone you care about has been struck with sudden illness, they're suffering, or they've experienced a great loss. We all have days like this. We all have bad days. And bad days are just a part of life. 
as we come to 1 Kings chapter 1, Bathsheba, Nathan, David, they, they were having a bad day. The things that they had planned for, things that they had hoped for, what they thought was going to happen next, all that was in order, but suddenly there's this uprising in the kingdom, there's this coup among the king's family, and it throws everything into chaos. And that's what we're going to start our study with this morning. Point one there in your outline. This kingdom that we come to, this kingdom that is in chaos. We see here that David, again, he, he's old and he's dying. As I mentioned last week, chances are at this point, the people probably have not seen David in some time. He's put away in his royal palace, in his royal room. He's been attended to by Abishag and others. And, and he's not in the public eye. He's not the valiant warrior king out there before his people on a consistent basis. And so you can imagine the whispers. You can imagine the rumors. What's going to happen next? Who, who's going to be the king? And then suddenly those whispers and rumors go to Adonijah, the oldest living son of David, who, who isn't the one in line to be king. He's not been chosen by God or David to be the king. He, he takes it upon himself to make that declaration. I am the king. He puts together for himself his, his own coronation. He throws this massive celebration, celebrating himself becoming the king. But he's careful not to involve Solomon. He's careful not to involve really those closest to David and Bathsheba because chances are he knows that Solomon is the rightful heir to the throne. Now, David had promised this, as we see in today's word, to Bathsheba. He had promised that Solomon would reign. And so you, you can imagine just the, the, the chaos of what takes place in this passage. Because you've got Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, the wife of David. She's the wife of the king, and she is planning on being the mother of the next king. You can imagine all that's been going on up to this point. Some of you, uh, in recent weeks, you've planned graduation parties. Others of you just know what it is to, to plan a gathering, a, a baby shower. Some of you have had your children get married. You, you've planned weddings. And, and just think about all that goes into planning an event like that. All the things you have to prepare for, the, the guest list, and, and all the little details that go into having some type of celebration. And then imagine what it would have been for Bathsheba, who is planning the coronation of the king. That there's no... Google invites, <laughs> that there's no services to hire to send out these fancy invitations, no Shutterfly in her day. No, she's going to great lengths. She's, she's having messages prepared to be sent off to far off kingdoms to invite royalty to this coronation. Chances are, for many of the people in her day, that they've never seen a coronation of a king. I mean, David at this point has reigned 40 years. Many of them in their entire lifetime, all they've known is David is king. And now, there's going to be this, this massive celebration that she is planning for. The, the celebration of her son Solomon becoming the king. And that day's coming soon. She knows it. And David can't even keep himself warm. David is dying. Any day now, her son Solomon 
will be the king. You, you can imagine. She, she's there in that royal palace. She's making this plan. Perhaps she has others gathered with us. Well, we, we need to make sure we talk to this person. We need to make sure we make this arrangement. And then Nathan the prophet comes to see her. And suddenly her day is turned upside down. Because she learns the news that Adonijah has declared himself to be king. Well, that's a little bit more of a wrench in the plans than a broken dishwasher, isn't it? You can imagine her, her world is now turned upside down. You can imagine the, the chaos that's come. You can imagine how her mind is now racing. Okay, I didn't know this. Solomon didn't know this. David doesn't know this. And, and what's my old, aging, dying husband really going to be able to do about this? Perhaps she had been going through the guest list and been crossing off names. Perhaps she had already said, you know, well, Joab, yeah, we've had some issues with Joab. I mean, we've got to invite Joab. Abiathar, the priest, he served us well. We'll invite him. And then Nathan comes in and says, well, actually, Joab's been over there with Adonijah. Yeah, Abiathar, the priest, he's with him. In fact, all the king's sons other than Solomon, they're there. And, and he's already had this massive sacrifice. Notice how that emphasis is there over and over again, the, the fat and cattle, all this. He's basically saying he, he's, he's been coronated. They've done all the things they're supposed to do. He's been declared the king. This isn't just a whisper, a rumor. This has happened. And now Bathsheba is left. Nathan is left. Soon David will be left with trying to figure out what, what do we do with this? This is not how the plan was supposed to go. That this was not Bathsheba's plan. This was not Nathan's plan. This was not David's plan. This was not Solomon's plan. This we know from the scripture as we read it, this is not God's plan. That the question is, how will Bathsheba and Nathan and David and Solomon, how will they respond when things don't go according to plan? And friends, that's a question we should ask ourselves as well, isn't it? How do we respond when things don't go according to plan? When everything's turned upside down. When, when suddenly our world descends into chaos. And friends, our world is descending into chaos. I turned on the news this week. I watched part of a House Judiciary Committee meeting. I know that sounds exciting. That's what I do in my spare time. So, Some of you saw clips of this because it, it made the news. There was a, a representative from North Carolina, and the, the issue was abortion. And they were interviewing a medical doctor, an OBGYN. And, and so he asked the question, can you define, can you tell us what a woman is? Now, her answer was not surprising because we've seen this answer in recent days. Her answer was this. She said, I believe that everyone can identify that for themselves. That's, that's not surprising. We see people say that all the time. What was surprising, I thought, was the next line of questioning. He said, okay. He, he went along with her thought process. He says, well, let me ask you this. Do you believe that men can become pregnant and have abortions? And here this medical doctor, without hesitation, said, absolutely, yes. That's crazy. I mean, break down how just insane that is. On so many levels, that, that's crazy. 
Well, we live in a, in a chaotic world. Right is wrong. Wrong is right. Th- things are upside down. And as followers of Christ, as those who believe in a biblical worldview where God created man and woman as a man and a, a woman, where he created them to be in a covenant relationship of marriage, where we have clear guidelines in the protection of life, where God's word speaks clearly to so many issues in our culture today, for those who hold to this, we can't help but look around the world today and say, the world has lost its mind. It's it's just crazy. I mean, there was a a time, there was a season when, when an unbelieving world seemed to identify at least in part with the things that Scripture teaches. But now that that drift has become so clear, that separation, God has given people over to their debased minds. That's what the Scripture says would happen. And in that world, in that chaos, it's very easy for us to sit back and look and say that this is not how things should be. So what are we going to do? How do we respond in those times? I think that's the question that, that screams to us from 1 Kings chapter 1, because we see one who could very much identify with that same thing as as Nathan comes and gives this news to Bathsheba. We see in the scripture a clear picture here. Things don't always go according to plan. So how will we respond when things don't go as we think they should, as we hoped they would, as we planned for? Well, notice what Bathsheba does. Notice what Nathan does. Their world is in chaos. Their plans are not working out. So what did they do? They went to the king. They went to the king. The second point there in your outline. Bathsheba and Nathan go to the king. They, they make this plan. Nathan makes a plan. He comes to Bathsheba and says, Listen, I'm going to give you some bad news. This is going to be a bad day. But let me tell you what we're going to do with this news. Let me tell you how I think we should approach this. He, he gives her advice and counsel. His counsel is, first you should go and you should talk to the king. And then I'm going to come in and I'm going to talk to the king. We are going to go to the king. And so first we see that Bathsheba goes. And David's response to her isn't, Why are you here? What are you bugging me with today, Bathsheba? Well, what do you want to go over about Solomon's coronation again about? Well, what is it you want from me? Now, that's not how he responds. Notice how this aging, dying king responds to his bride. What do you desire? She goes to the king, and that's what he says. What do you desire, Bathsheba? And notice her response. She, she doesn't start with, David, you've got to fix this. <laughs> you don't understand. I'm up to here with Adonijah. I have all these plans in place. You said Solomon was going to be king. I don't know what's going on with you. You've lost control of your kingdom. She doesn't go in complaining. She doesn't go in pointing fingers. She doesn't even go in and say, hey, David, you're the king. Go fix this now. Now, the very first words out of her mouth to David are, King, you, you made a promise. She said, my, my Lord, you, you swore to your servant by the Lord your God, saying, Solomon, your son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. 
she, she simply goes in and she says to the king, King, here's your word. When she easily could have focused on her words, when she could have easily just put out all her complaints, she just says to the king, King, here's what you said. Here's the promise you made. And I think in doing that with Bathsheba, what Bathsheba is doing here simply is this. She's, she's saying to the king, King, here's what you promised. King, I believe that you're going to keep your promise. So king, please go and fulfill your promise now. She focuses entirely on the promise that David had already made. Now in the process, she lets David know what has happened. She lets him know about Adonijah and what he's done. She, she tells David her concern. That if nothing's done, what's going to happen to her and Solomon isn't going to be a pretty picture. Politically, in this environment, what would have happened likely is when David died, that one of the very first things Adonijah would do were he to remain the king, is he would have taken out Solomon and taken out Bathsheba because they would have posed a threat to his reign. But again, she, she's not hysterical here. She doesn't go overboard here. She's not dramatic here. She just simply says, here's the promise you made. Here's, here's what's taken place that's not in line with that promise. And so I'm going I'm to hold you to this promise. I'm going to hold on to this promise. Because if, if you don't do what you promised to do, this isn't going to end well for any of us. And then notice what she does. It's, it's inferred here. She just waits. The inference here is that she doesn't even stay in the room. That she, she departs from the king. She just lays this before him. Here's your promise. I believe in your promise. I trust in your promise. Please do what you promised you would do. And then she just exits. And then the next scene is Nathan comes into the king. And then as you, you follow this and just kind of sketch it out, it's almost an identical pattern of conversation as Bathsheba. Now, he does it a, a bit of a different way. He reminds the king of his promise, but he, he does it kind of through this hypothetical about Ananijah. He's still focusing on what David said, but he, he's kind of twisted a little bit. Now, now, David, you know, correct me here, but did you say Adonijah would be king? Nathan knows that David didn't say that. He, he's just kind of posing this question to him. I think of it the same purpose as what Bathsheba did. He, he is recalling the actual promise that David made. Did, did you say Adonijah would be the king? No, you, you said David would be the king, didn't you? In other words, he, he's saying too, I think, David, you, you made a promise. We're, we're going we're gonna to hold to that promise. Now please do what you promised you would do. And then again, the inference here is that, that he just waits. He just waits. He puts this before the king and he, and he waits. And I think a picture that we have here is not that different than what we should be doing in the midst of our chaotic world, in the midst of our bad days, in the midst of our times when things are turned upside down. Because, friends, we have a king better than David. In fact, the, the whole context here is that Nathan and Bathsheba are going to David because David doesn't know what's happened. 
how much greater, how much more should we be going to our King Jesus who knows everything, who is shocked and surprised by nothing? We're pulling our hair out. And He is our Sovereign. And He knows, He plans, He works, and He wills. And He invites us to come to Him. He doesn't scold us. He doesn't bark at us. What does he say? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He invites us in. He says, come to me. We, we should learn from Bathsheba and David here, or Nathan here. We, we should go to our king. And notice how they approached David. A much lesser one than Jesus. But notice that they honored him. They come in, they show reverence to him. That they remember his promise. The very first thing they do is they bring up his word to them. They make their request known. And then they wait for him to respond. Friends, I think that's a blueprint for us. We go to Jesus, the first thing we should do is, is honor him. And revere him as king. Well, we don't go to Jesus casually. And yet, that, that's, that, that's really kind of what we do often. We, we have this rogue, routine, memorized pattern. When I was a child, it was, Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. That's terrifying, by the way. I didn't think about it as a kid. I usually did not on my own go to bed thinking, well, I wonder if I'm going to die in my sleep tonight and what's going to happen to me. But, but we memorize these things. And, and remember, it's a wonderful thing to memorize things. We, we should memorize things. But sometimes in that routine, in that memory, we, we stop thinking about what it is we've memorized. Lord bless us, meal, Jesus, amen. My, my grandfather, God rest his soul, I couldn't tell you one word he prayed. I can tell you he prayed over every meal, but it started, I'm sure, at some point in his life as a series of words and sentences, but it ended up being just one syllable in the end. It was, he's going to pray, amen. I didn't know what he said. That's kind of what we do sometimes, isn't it? We, we approach God in this very casual, routine way. There's nothing casual routine here. They, they go in, they, they honor David as king. They revere David as king. They, they approach him in a way that shows he is sovereign, he is in control. And then what's the first thing they do? It's not fix it, do it, don't you know, can't you do something, why is this happening? King, here's what you promised. I'm going to hold to your promise. Will you do what you promised to do? What a picture of how we should approach our king. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of a world falling apart, in the midst of suffering and hardship and trials, we come to our sovereign, to our king. We, we revere him, we honor him, and then we open up what his word, his book of promises to us says, and we we start there. 
God, here's, here's what you said in your word, and yet I don't, I don't see this right now. I'm not, this isn't my experience right now. I'm struggling right now. But this is what you said you would do. Lord, would you do what you said you would do? And then we get there, and then we can identify with what Paul writes in Philippians 4. He says, do not be anxious about anything. That's it's easier said than done, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if Paul just stopped there, it's like, well, thank you, Paul, for your worthless advice. I mean, if you come to me as a pastor and say, I'm really anxious, I've got a lot going on, I'm really worried, you start outlining all your problems, I say, hey, I got your cure. Stop being anxious. Well, how do I do that? Well, you, you just stop. Well, how do I do I don't know. You get in a car, how do you stop it? You hit the brake. I don't, just stop. Just stop being anxious. Well, you just can't put a brake on anxiety. We can't just shut off our mind about worry. Paul here isn't saying in the flesh, just will ourselves not to be anxious. No, he says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says, here's the answer to your anxiety. Here's what you do with it. You come to God with everything, and you, you pray, and you ask, and, and you thank Him. You, you let your requests be made known to Him. You, you revere Him. You honor Him. You, you, you look at what He's promised. You hold to His promises. And when you do that, well, then you have this opportunity to have his peace, which, by the way, it surpasses all human understanding. And that's what you need. That's what I need to guard our hearts and our minds. In Christ Jesus. The world is in chaos. Often our lives are in chaos. What do we do? We, we need to go to the king. David's kingdom was in chaos, so Bathsheba and Nathan... They went to the king. And then finally, point three, the king responds to Bathsheba. Verse 29, And the king swore, saying, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my soul out of every adversity. Notice here, David begins his response by recounting what God has done. He says, his sovereign, his Lord, his king, as the Lord lives, he's redeemed my soul out of every adversity. And then he, he reiterates the promise that he has made as king. He says, I, as I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel. And what did he swear? He swore that Solomon, Bathsheba's son, he's speaking to her. He says, Solomon, your son shall reign after me. And then he says, he shall sit on the throne of my place. Even so will I do it this day. Nathan and Bathsheba come to David. They say, King, this is the promise you've made. This is the promise we believe. Please do what you promised to do. David's response is, this is the promise I made. This is the promise I'll keep. And I'm going to do it right now. So I will do this day. Bathsheba's day goes from being a bad day and now it's back to being a really good day. She trusts in her king and her sovereign. 
Notice her response, verse 31. Then Bathsheba bowed her face to the ground, paid homage to the king and said, May my Lord King David live forever. She goes from fearing for her life to praising her king. And how does this happen? Because in the midst of her chaotic world, she went to the king. She believed in the king's promise. She trusted him to keep his promise. He did, and she rejoiced. And just a little detail here to note. She didn't wait for him to do what he said he was going to do. <laughs> the coronation hasn't happened yet. Nothing's happened to Ananijah. But the king spoke. And she believed his word, and that was enough for her to rejoice. We should do the same. In the midst of our difficult days, our bad days, we can experience a peace that surpasses all understanding. If we will go to our king and believe his word. And what does his word say? Let me give you just two passages. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. This is one you should mark in your Bible and know where it is and go too often. First John five, fourteen through fifteen. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request we've asked of him. I mean, what a word. What, what an encouragement to us. That, that passage doesn't say that God is a genie in a bottle and anything we ask, we're going to get our three wishes. But what it says is what? If we ask according to his will, his, his promises. And so friends, know his promises. Read his promises and trust in his promises. And what does our king say? Matthew chapter 7. Beginning in verse 7. Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And then he gives us this picture. He says, which one of you if his son asks him for bread, we'll give him a stone. My kids have asked me for a lot of stuff. I don't always get them what they ask for, but I can't recall ever my child looking at me saying, Dad, can I have another biscuit? And me saying, well, here's a rock. Well, we don't do that, do we? If you do, you're messed up. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. That'll get you kicked out of the car while house forever right there. We don't do that. Why does Jesus give these examples? Have you ever been tempted to think that if you honestly, truly, authentically go before the Lord and make your request known to Him, that He's going to somehow punish you? That He's somehow going to do something awful in your life? That you're bugging Him? 
Jesus here gives us this picture to help us see that that's not our sovereign. Our creator who loves us and wants good things for us. And then he says, listen, if you can, if you can even grasp these illustrations, if you then, who Jesus says, by the way, you're evil and you don't even do this. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Again, we ask Him according to His will, and how do we know it? We go to His Word, and we see His promises, and we trust Him. I'll leave you with one more. And this is a promise that I go to often in the midst of chaos, in the midst of a world falling apart, in the midst of looking around and thanking God, this isn't how it should be. In the midst of looking to the promise that God said, this isn't how it's always going to be. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard... A loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And here's, here's a promise to hold on to, friends. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. How do we respond when the world is falling apart? We hold to the promises of God. How do we cope when all seems to be lost? We trust in the promise of God. Bathsheba's day was turned upside down because a coronation of a king she was planning for suddenly seemed to be in jeopardy. She was reminded of the promise that that day would indeed come. Friends, we have a much greater coronation of a much greater king that's coming. It's our King Jesus who said he's coming back. So guess what that means? He's coming back. And on those days when we suffer, when we mourn, when we cry, when we grieve, he reminds us that one day those days will end. And between this day and that, he calls us to trust in him, to go to him, to believe his promises, and to trust that every word he promised will indeed come true. And so that is our invitation today, to trust in the promises of God. I invite you to stand together with me as we respond now to God's word. Father, I pray that we would learn from 1 Kings chapter 1 that when things don't go as we thought they would, plan for them to go, as we hoped they would go, Lord, I pray that we would follow this same pattern, that we would go to our King, that we would trust in our King's promises, that we would believe the words that you've given us, 
And then that we would wait for the day of fulfillment. Help us, Lord, to trust in you. Give us today a peace that surpasses all understanding. Help us to bring our anxiety, our worry, all that we fret about to you today. And to trust in you. We ask this now in the name of Christ our King. Amen. Well, church family and guests, we're going to respond now to God's word together. And we're going to sing about the hope we have in Christ and the blood of Jesus. As we sing, I'll be available to counsel with you if the Lord's leading you to come today and start the process of joining this church family, to come today and profess Christ as your Lord, to, to take that next step in obedience and baptism. Or if you just need somebody to, to pray with you, I'd be privileged and honored to do that. So we invite you to come, we invite you to sing. Now as we respond to God's word together.